Another season, first draft is underway. Jalen Carter, too quick, too powerful. Tends to hits the touchdown. That is a bad man. Oh, God, 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 God. Maybe the best player in the sport. Watch out for Mr. Robinson. Fifth touchdown pass for C.J. Stroud. Jackson Smith and Jigbo, arguably the top receiver in the country. If you didn't know the name Will Levis before tonight, you know it now. Richardson, lead throws a defender out of bounds. He is a highlight reel waiting to happen every time he touches the football. Hey, welcome in to another edition of First Draft. It is February 28th. I am Field Yates, and we have a jam-packed show today because not only is the NFL world descending upon Indianapolis this week for the 2023 NFL Combine, but there is a new mock draft out today, right now, on ESPN.com. That mock draft comes from none other than the man who created mock drafts right here, Mr. Mel Kuyper Jr. Mel and I hold now the fourth today. Mel, this is going to be a lot of fun, the two of us hanging out for the next 30 or 45 minutes. Yeah, a lot to get to, Field. I mean, I projected trades. Uh, you know, you think about guys that are you know, soaring up draft boards and pre-combine stuff. That will affect things. Free agency certainly will impact needs. It will create needs. And obviously, teams will fill needs yeah. based on free agency. But prior to the combine, prior to free agency, it's a good way to give uh, everybody, uh, all our listeners, all our viewers, a chance to see where these players may end up. Certainly, a range that we may see them end up come late April. I really do think this is an interesting snapshot, Mel, because over the next three-ish weeks, not only are we going to have most, if not all, of the notable free agents go off the board, but we're also going to be into the beginning of pro day seasons. And not just pro days, but the combine will impact players' draft stock. We are expecting to see the likes of Will Levis and C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson throw at the combine. Bryce Young will not, but Bryce Young will, of course, be measured. We'll dive more into the impact of the combine later on in the show, but Mel's Mach 2.0 is available now on ESPN.com. And Mel, just sort of before we get into some of the specifics, how would you sort of say you felt about this one as compared to the first one? It feels to me, at least I would think, that with every passing mock draft, you feel a bit more confident in the information and kind of where you think players project to go off the board. Somebody once said, you think you know, but you really don't know, Field. I, we always feel good about these, but obviously you look at guys you left out. You know, uh, you'll always have three or four or five guys. You say, boy, I wish I could find a spot. But you have to remember, when you do these mocks, it's real time. So it's what are the needs right now? Okay, we can't worry about what's going to happen in free agency because we don't know. And certainly the combine, you expect certain things that may happen. Guy could run into four twos like Jalen Hyatt, Deontay Banks, cornerback Maryland may have a great workout. We'll see. You know, will Joey Porter Jr. cornerback Penn State run? That's going to be important. Or will you wait till his pro day at Penn State? All these things we can't really determine yet. So you go real time needs players where they rank after the Senior Bowl week. And you put it all together. And what I always tell people is it's good to gauge where were they in Mach 1.0. Then what happened in 2, when you look back 3, 4, 5 years from now, it's always fun to look back and see, actually, what, sometimes your first mock's better than your fifth mock, really, in terms of accuracy field. That's how these things go. But I think it's fun to track where those players were in Mach 1.0 in mid-January to where they end up when Mach 5.0 comes out the morning of the draft. You know, Mel, again, we're going to talk more about the combine later on in the show, but I always la laugh when GMs are asked about mock drafts during the combine, and you get a fairly common refrain of, 
you know, I don't really read the mock drafts. I know they're just for entertainment, which is code for right. I read every single mock draft and I track exactly where Mel Kuyper Jr. has Deontay Banks in Mach 1.0 or Mach 2.0 or Mach 3.0 because they know that a big part of your job is not just evaluating prospects, but also reporting. You know, you are talking to various people around the league to sort of ping pong thoughts on various prospects and how you see them versus how they see them versus how others around the league may see them. So if a GM tells you he's not reading the mock draft, it means he's reading it from start to finish. Uh, before we get into the trades, because I do want to bring up just the idea of trades in a mock draft in a second. Was there anything that was particularly challenging in Mach 2.0 that you didn't face in Mach 1.0? Yeah, the trades, you know, you think about, you know, Bryce Young, a quarterback who was an outlier field, and you're talking about doing something for an outlier. It's never happened before. In the history of the draft, certainly I've been governing 45 years, we've never had a quarterback, Bryce Young's size. And I want to be specific when I talk size. It's not the height. It's not 5'10 and a half, okay? That's not the issue. It's the weight. Is he 185, 190? I set the bar at 195 for a reason. That's the number I think people will feel comfortable with to say, boy, majority of teams will say, okay, that sways us to Bryce Young over really being concerned about that weight and holding up in the NFL withstanding punishment. There's talk he could be 205. My concern is, Field, can he maintain the weight from the start of the season in August when we go to training camp and preseason games until the end of the year? Can he maintain 205? when he was maybe 180, 185 at times at Alabama. That's something we won't know. But what we will know is what is his weight coming up at the combine. And like I said, I set that at 195. And we're talking about the number one pick overall for a quarterback that we've never seen a quarterback this size, particularly when you take the height and the weight and put it together in totality, go in the first round of the NFL draft. People say, well, about Kyler Murray? Kyler Murray was 5'10 and change, but he was 207. Right. Okay. Not what Bryce Young has been. Now, if he's 205, fine. I think 195, I'm going to make him QB1. I said that over the last couple of weeks. So uh, I've never seen a weight for a quarterback be as important as it is for Bryce Young coming up. You know, Mel, I always uh, we talk about this often on the show, the value of being in person to scout players. It's part of the reason why the Senior Bowl is valuable, and it's part of the reason why GMs and scouts throughout the year are going on the road and being away from their family for days or weeks at a time because – Body type matters when you see it up close. And not that I've seen every prospect this year, far from it, but, you know, I did meet Bryce Young at the Super Bowl. And the first thing that you're going to notice if you spend time around Bryce Young is the frame. And, you know, I, I, I can't imagine myself ever being tackled by Aaron Donald, uh, much less being hit 10 times a game, right? And Bryce Young looks kind of like me. We have very, virtually nothing in common besides the fact that I think at the time we weighed about the same amount. He's one million times the athlete I am, obviously, but just it's, it's hard as a human to not think, wow, like can that guy hold up at that size if you're getting hit or at least, you know, getting close to being hit by an Aaron Donald or a Chris Jones or a Fletcher Cox or Von Miller, you name the pass rusher. It's just hard to withstand the rigors at a certain size in the NFL. You also mentioned how Bryce Young contributed to trades in this mock draft. And uh, again, we're going to talk about the trade just in just a second. But just as far as like the trade portion of the mock draft goes, Mel, how much of it is, all right, I just think these, like this team should be motivated to move up and this team should be motivated to move back versus how much of it is, all right, well, Indy is going to move up. 
This is approximately what I think the price has to be paid. Is it more focused on just the idea that someone's got to go up and someone's got to go down and we'll worry about the compensation later? Exactly. 100% feel. You worry about that. You know, that's for them to work out. But certainly uh, the Indianapolis Colts are in a position where they got to get a quarterback, a young quarterback. And you got to say, okay, are we okay at four to be patient and wait it out? Or do we want to go up and get QB1 on our board? Okay. That will determine what Indianapolis does. Houston, same thing. If they sit at two and let somebody else jump to one and they say, we'll stand pat, do they get QB2? Are they okay with getting that? Now, the other thing is, what if the team picking first that jumps over Houston takes their QB1, but it's not Houston's QB1. Houston said, hey, we don't even have to move and we can get our QB1. Because there's differing opinions on all four of these quarterbacks, Field. So from that standpoint, it's really hard to say what teams will do right now. But I think Indianapolis and certainly Houston are two teams. We know they want a quarterback. The the questioning, the fact here is, the big question is, are they going to be aggressive and go up and get their guy? We've seen teams wait it out. Remember, Steelers waited out for Ben Roethlisberger. That worked out pretty good. Yeah. Buffalo got Josh Allen. He was the third quarterback off the board. Chargers waited and got Justin Herbert, third quarterback off the board. The Bears got Justin Fields, fourth quarterback off the board. Okay, So teams that have waited or even saw a player slide and then go get him once he slides have done pretty well in these physically imposing quarterbacks field have dropped a bit. And that's why I bring up Allen, third quarterback, Fields, fourth quarterback, Herbert, third. That's why I have Levis right now, Field, being the third quarterback coming off the board. And he, outside of Richardson, is the most physically imposing of all the quarterbacks. Now, what's also interesting is that we have seen teams in recent years move up and still wait it out. As an example, the Jets moved up from six to three in the deal with the Indianapolis Colts that netted Quentin Nelson to the Colts. And then the Jets took Sam Darnold in the 2018 draft. But when they moved up to pick three, they knew the Browns were going to take some quarterback at number one overall. But none of us knew until the day before the draft it was going to be Baker Mayfield. So it signaled that they were comfortable with at least two of the quarterbacks. The 49ers just two years ago moved up from pick 12 to pick three. We all knew it was going to be Trevor Lawrence at number one, but we weren't necessarily positive at the time that that trade went down, that Zach Wilson would go number two. So again, San Francisco, there was an element of, you know, being a hedging, right? They were okay, whether it was Trey Lance, whether it was, I don't know this for sure, maybe it would be Mac Jones if Trey Lance was off the board. It seemed like that was the way that winds were blowing or Justin Fields or Even Zach Wilson, if Trey Lance went number two overall. So uh, while sometimes we do see teams move up because they have one target and one target only, in certain years you don't necessarily have that luxury if you are not willing to pay the price. All right, so let's get into the draft. And again, and also field one other. Sure. And one other point, you mentioned the whole situation with Sam Darnold. Keep in mind, Cleveland Browns when they took Baker Mayfield, it wasn't between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. It was between Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen. They decided to go with Baker Mayfield, okay? The Browns did. Darnold went, became the second quarterback. Josh Allen slipped a little bit, and Buffalo went and got him, okay? So to me, that's why I say when you talk about these quarterbacks, there's mixed opinion. I talked to a team thinks C.J. Stroud's the best quarterback in this draft field, okay? Anthony Richardson's the most physically gifted with Will Levis second. Okay, so there's all kinds of teams' opinion. They vary. Uh, And same thing with wide receivers in this draft, varying opinion on the top four receivers. But the quarterback specifically, it's hard to build a consensus. And even with Bryce Young, I asked a couple teams, I said, you're not going to take Bryce Young, okay? You're not picking up there to take. If you were and you needed a quarterback, could you reconcile the size, mainly the weight, right, of Bryce Young? Could you take him number one overall? And they said no. 
Yeah. I couldn't. Now, that's a couple. That's not 32 of them. That's certainly not the Houston Texans, the Indianapolis Colts. I don't know what they're thinking. But Bryce Young's size is a major concern. And because we've never had to, I wouldn't repeat, we've never had this before in terms of the first round, a quarterback that weight with the height combined. Yeah. Okay. So that's the interesting part of this whole thing. So make it a lot of fun come late April, Field. Yeah. I mean, if you think about quarterbacks in previous drafts <clears throat> that we've been talking about the weight for, I feel like, and I'm trying to think off the top of my head, like I guess Teddy Bridgewater was discussed, right? He's He was so narrow in his, I mean, really just top to bottom. Um but it hasn't been a ton of weight-based conversations for no. quarterbacks Mm-mm. in the first round for Mm-mm. quite some time. No. Let's dive into it again. All picks 1 through 32 available on ESPN.com right now. I love reading Mel's mocks every year. I feel like I've, I've literally been doing this almost my entire life, Mel. So it's always a joy when a new one drops. And let's start at the top. <laughs> you are, I don't know about breaking your own rules, but you are incorporating trades here. And you have a... Trade at the very top, but maybe not the one that uh, people necessarily expect, as you have number one overall, the Colts moving up to pick number one overall with the Chicago Bears. And I, the compensation, we'll figure that out at a different time, Mel. Let's focus in on why the Colts should be motivated to move up and make this draft, make this pick. Well, I have Houston going there first. So okay, Houston that's, goes that's two good. To let, one. let me. Uh, okay. Let, okay, sorry about that, Mel. I was I'm looking at the graphic and I thought that. I read the mock draft differently because you mm-hmm. orchestrated two trades at the very top for the Chicago Bears. So, mm-hmm. full start. Right. I'm throwing the exactly. flag on myself for saying the wrong thing. <laughs> the number one pick in this draft actually belongs to the Houston Texans, who move up with the Chicago Bears back to the idea that we were discussing in which a team goes up mm-hmm. one pick to make sure there is absolutely no doubt that anybody else gets their man. The Houston Texans have done that. Who are they taking? That would be Bryce Young for right now. And that's why I say for right now. We're not going to get all the information coming in. But Houston would go 2-1 to one to get Bryce Young. Chicago's then would be sitting at 2. Now, to get some draft picks to go drop down from 1-2, to two, right? That allows you to get your so-called franchise quarterback. So you're going to get draft picks if you're the Bears. Bryce Young, we talk about great processor, super accurate. If he were... Just say six foot even, and he were 215 pounds. We, we, it would be no discussion here, okay? But 5'10 and a half, about 195 to 205 or whatever it is, that puts him in a category of the smallest quarterback to go in the first round since I've been doing it, okay? You think about at two. If you get to two in your Chicago, then you can you go to four. Indianapolis could go up from four to two to get their quarterback that they want because if they wait field – the second pick could become a quarterback, obviously, to somebody else. Now you're down to QB3. What if Arizona makes a move and moves down? Who knows what's going to happen there? So Indianapolis, they want to wait to <clears throat> be for QB3 or go get their QB1 or 2. Yeah. That will be interesting to watch. I made the trade. I said, hey, let's have Indianapolis go 4-2. to two. Then I even had Seattle at 5 drop back to 9 and Carolina go up and get the quarterback they want, which will be Will Levis. And then Seattle ends up saying, hey, here's a quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Let's take him at number 9. So that's the way I worked out the quarterback situation. All right, so really good job in sort of giving us all the various tentacles of that quarterback situation. But let's begin at the top. And just, again, to clarify, and again, I'm calling the false start on myself there for not saying Houston, but instead saying Indianapolis. It is Houston number 1 overall. And moreover, Houston – this reminds me of something that I remember saying at the time that I, can, I, I cannot stress enough of all the things that took place on the final Sunday of the NFL's regular season this year. Nothing was more consequential 
than the Houston Texans beating the Indianapolis Colts and no longer owning the number one pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. Maybe this has not happened. Maybe the Texans stay in pad at pick number two and just take whoever it is that they want at number two that's, that's still available. But if they end up moving up and paying what could be, who knows? It could be, honestly, Mel, and I, I, don't, I don't know this for a fact, it could be the 33rd pick in the draft or 34th or 33rd pick in the draft that they currently own. It could be a future one. It's not going to be cheap. It ain't going to be they move up to pick number one because they give Chicago an extra sixth, right? It's going to be a significant price to pay. And in this case, they land a player in Bryce Young that's exceptional. It just may cost come at a larger cost than they would have anticipated uh, maybe the week of week 18. So pick number two, the Colts then move up. And I think the Bears would sign up for this draft right now, Mel. They would right now say, we will start the 2023 NFL draft right this second if we can have these two trades because regardless of what the price is, it's going to mean a ton of picks for the Bears. This feels to me like the dream scenario for Chicago. Really would be, Field. You get the defensive tackle, Jalen Carter, out of Georgia by moving down twice and still getting him. Why? Because Will Anderson Jr. could go to Arizona, who needs an edge rusher. They need that edge guy, the outside pass rusher. Bears need the interior presence of Jalen Carter. To go to your point about Houston, what if they say, hey, we're not giving up anything to go to one. We're going to sit at two and take the quarterback. Let you guys do what you want to do at one. We're okay with QB2. If that's the case, then you stay where you are and you let it play out. But for the Chicago Bears, if they could work it out to move down to two or just move down to four and still get Jalen Carter, that would be a bonanza for the Bears. It would absolutely reshape the draft, and it would put the Bears, who have the most cap space in the NFL this offseason, in a position that few teams have ever been in to potentially (coughs) reshape their roster. And the prize of it would be Jalen Carter and Mel. You've been talking about it this morning on TV and really for months now. He's not a good player. He is the best prospect in this draft in your estimation. If Jalen Carter, if the Bears just stood pat at number one overall, like there's a credible case for taking him first overall. He's that good, right? There really is. I think he's the best player in this draft. He's number one on the top 25 big board for that reason. When he came back from the ankle and knee injuries, he was injured in September. He was wreaking havoc again for Georgia. And two years ago, he was arguably their best defensive player on that talent-laden defense. So Jalen Carter's the real deal. And what do the Bears need field more than anything else? Interior presence, a dominator, a guy that could be a real disruptor, a defensive tackle. That's Jalen Carter. Uh, you think about a guy who certainly could be worthy and should be worthy if you're stuck at number one and you can't make a move and you're the Bears. Yeah, you would take Jalen Carter. What they're hoping is multiple teams want the quarterback, their QB1, and will go up and get him, and they can still drop back and get Jalen Carter out of Georgia. So if the Bears do end up making that type of move for a team that has holes, they got to get Justin Fields some weapons. Certainly at wide receiver. The O-line could use some help, right? They need another defensive lineman as well. So this is a team has some holes. But And another thing everybody talks about is why not trade Justin Fields and draft Bryce Young? Again, we're talking about Bryce Young as an outlier. Do you want to give up on Justin Fields and do that when he's going to be in his second year with offensive coordinator Luke Getze? They showed so, so, so much promise throwing the football. He developed in that area. Great running threat. We know that. That's already defined with Justin Fields. He's respected by the teammates there. They love him. Okay, He's, he's a guy who's shown he's got the work ethic and the passion for the game and will put in the time. First one in, last one out of the building. Why? He's only 24, going to be 24 years of age. He's only three months older than Will Levis. 
field. Why in the world would you take go for an outlier and then have to work out a complicated situation where you're trying to trade a Justin Fields? It makes no sense to me. So they have their franchise young quarterback in Fields. That's why you don't consider the quarterback and you try to trade down and get that great defensive tackle in Jalen Carter. And Mel, you know the history of this league better than anybody. How many great quarterbacks have the Bears had during their franchise's run? The answer is not many. They have, I know they've had success. They're a Super Bowl-winning franchise, but this is a team that has been on the search for a player that has the kind of magnetic, dynamic ability that Justin Fields has for decades, and they finally have him. And yes, Bryce Young could be great, but wouldn't you rather take the known quantity who is the leader of the team right now in Justin Fields? Certainly feels that way to me. Number three, you mentioned Will Anderson goes to the Arizona Cardinals. It's going to become kind of a boring pick if that's where it ends up by the time we get to the draft because he's an awesome player. He fits an obvious need. And if you are GM Monty Ford in your first ever draft, nothing wrong with taking the guy that some viewed going into this past college football season as the leader to be the top pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. Number five, you mentioned the Panthers moving up for Will Levis. I want to take you, I want to sort of pick your brain, though, on a couple of picks that I saw between five and nine. I'm going to follow up on the pick at number nine in just a moment. But if you woke up this morning and you read the mock draft, you saw at number eight, Will McDonald IV lands with the Atlanta Falcons, the Iowa State pass rusher, who... I don't know that I saw him in Mach 1.0. I don't think I've seen him in either of Todd Todd Todd's mocks so far. Where did Will McDonald come from? Senior Bowl week did it. Uh, pass rushers off the edge field. They want these guys. They're desperate for these guys. Getting after the quarterback, so important. Finishing, closing out games, so important. Why did Buffalo try go and get Von Miller? So to me, when you look at where we are right now with Will McDonald, the fourth, you're looking at a guy who could be a top 10 pick. Atlanta needs a pass rusher. Seattle at nine, if they don't make a move and they stay where they are, they go from five to nine, say they need a pass rusher. So if they don't take the quarterback going from five to nine, I almost gave them Will McDonald, okay? But I had him going one pick earlier. That's why I gave him Anthony Richardson. He's certainly going to go within the top 15, and he could go a little earlier. Remember, the workout's going to be important. But what he did a couple years ago, he had a first-round grade going into the 2022 campaign. Keep that in mind. At Iowa State, now they knew he was the guy. We had him as a marked man. We knew we had to contain him. We're going to do everything we can to keep him at bay. But he's got pass rush skills off the charts. He showed that down in Mobile Field. You were down there. And if he tests well, which we know he probably will, at 240, 243 pounds, Will McDonald, an edge rusher, could be a top 10 pick by the time we get to late April. Out of nowhere. And it's a good reminder that the uh, the pre-draft process is not linear, right? It's, it's, it's much more of an art than it is a science. You've got guys who have great final seasons in college. You have guys that have... Not so great final seasons in college, but they shine at the Senior Bowl or they shine at the Combine. And these are the way in which players can move up or perhaps slide down a bit on board. So Will McDonald, the surprise pick of the first round uh, in Mel's Mock 2.0, certainly of the top 10 at least. But we'll dive into that more on the Mock Draft Special later on today, 5 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2 for those who want to check it out. But number nine is the pick that I think it's going to be discussed no matter where he ends up, Anthony Richardson going to the Seattle Seahawks. And Mel, part of me thinks this is just perfect. Is What is like the, the dream scenario for Anthony Richardson is somewhere we can go and unquestionably wait a year. Seattle, I think Detroit fit that to a T. And if you're Seattle, you're picking up extra picks when you move back from five to nine. 
And this feels like it could be the ideal landing spot. What kind of developmental upside would the Seahawks be getting in this scenario? A ton. Uh, you talk about after that Utah game, game one field, I thought he'd be the number one pick maybe in the draft. I mean, he was phenomenal against the Utes, led the Gators to an upset victory. This next week, though, against Kentucky, he's at 40% completion percentage, a couple turnovers, inconsistencies throwing the football throughout the year. But look at him there. The running skills are off the charts. Big, strong. He's got a rocket arm. He's an incredible runner. We talk about Justin Fields, one of the top running quarterback, best running quarterback in the NFL, right? Lamar Jackson, we know what he does. We know what Jalen Hurts. We know what Josh Allen does leading that Buffalo Bills running game as well as being a great quarterback. This guy can be your leading rusher. This guy can do things running the football that very few can do. His passing skills, he's got the big time arm, but I think the certainly the accuracy, he misses layups in terms of throws. Seeing the field, going through progressions, those are things he needs to work on. He's only had with 13 starts at Florida. That's something some teams would say, no way, field. Are we drafting a quarterback in the first round with 13 starts? So that's something right there. Teams will say, check, nope, got to move him down because can't, can't do that. So that's something where if you're a patient team, you're afforded the opportunity to be patient, as you said with the Seattle Seahawks, having Geno Smith or the Detroit Lions having Jared Goff, and you can have a quarterback like Anthony Richardson, who I think needs two to three years of sit, watch, and learn. Now his running skills will get him out there right away. The passing skills will determine his fate at the pro level. If he can, I'd say, go find Josh Allen's guys, the guys that work with Josh Allen, okay, to, make, to really create what we see right now, okay, in terms of accuracy throwing the football, I would have Anthony Richards going right to them. And if he can become that type of quarterback, we know how big and strong he is. We know he gets a howitzer for an arm. And in, like I said, against Utah, like I said, he looked like the number one pick overall. Uh, but that's why I call him the boomer bust. I said earlier today, make your heart or break your, break your heart or make your draft is the mm. kind of guy he is. Because he will be a guy you're going to roll the dice on on talent handle him properly, have the right people in place from a coaching standpoint field, from a system standpoint, if you have that all together and you have confidence in your guys to develop and bring all that to fruition, bring it all together for Anthony Richardson, then you take him in the top 10 overall. You know, there's an old scouting adage that we draft traits and not production. And Anthony Richardson is the ultimate traits player, right? Because if you sort of squint enough, you can see the brilliance uh, it unfortunately during his last season at Florida was often sandwiched in between some moments that made you go, huh? Some head scratching plays from Anthony Richardson, but with time and time is so essential and it would be afforded in Seattle. You could really see how this guy could become a franchise altering player. All right, let's move from the mock. And again, it's all available on ESPN.com from the mock to the combine. And Mel, when I say NFL combine, you say what? I say let's watch these corners and these receivers field. And I want to watch Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, cover guy, struggled against Georgia and was lights out in coverage after that. Uh, he's gonna, if he tests off the charts, you're talking about a potential top 10 pick. Devon Witherspoon from Illinois, loved the player. Not that big, though, physically. So then you get into Joey Porter Jr., Penn State. Press corner, had a heck of a year, right? What's he going to run? Is it from the 4-5, 4-5-3 range? Will it be in the 4-5-7? Will he run it at the combine? Will he wait till the pro day at Penn State? going to be very interesting there. Emmanuel Forbes uh, field, Mississippi State corner. He had the pick six against Will Levis on the bubble screen, jumped in front, took it about 60 yards for a touchdown. 
Emmanuel Forbes, heck of a cover man, heck of a career at Mississippi State, right? How big is he? We talk about weight for Bryce Young. How about the weight for Emmanuel Forbes? What's going to be in the 160s? Will he be low 170s? What's Emmanuel Forbes going to weigh? It's going to be really important. I have him right now to Tampa Bay. Would have been about pick 19 in round one. So, again, we talk about weight for players. For Forbes from Mississippi State, that will be important. And back-to-back years, a Mississippi State cornerback will be taken high. Martin Emerson last year going to what, round three uh, to the Cleveland Browns. So, all right, so the Combine, it's always one of the great events for the NFL. I'm so happy it's back in Indianapolis again this year. It does an amazing job hosting it. It's so convenient for everybody, and there's no shortage of hotels, restaurants. There's tunnels to walk everywhere to avoid the cold. Easy-ish to get to from people that live or people that live uh, in Connecticut, although nowhere is really that easy to get to from Connecticut, if we're going to be honest. Uh, but the combine again commences. It's actually commenced like five hours ago. Uh, Mel and I watched some of the GM and coach press conferences earlier today. But there are a few teams, Mel, that have multiple picks in the draft this year in the first round, or just have some big franchise decisions. I want to run you by I run by you three different teams that I think are compelling for different reasons. And I want to start with the Texans. Uh, we talked about them a little bit earlier. In your draft scenario, you had the Texans moving up from pick two to pick one to get Bryce Young from Alabama. They also own pick number 12. Uh, this is the team, though, that I think as far as like talent acquisition goes, they have some really nice nucleus players from last year, but they can go in basically any direction they want at pick 12 because I don't think there's a single spot where it's like, Locked and loaded for the next 10 years. You don't have to worry about that. So what is the goal if you are GM Nick Casario working alongside new head coach D'Amico Ryans? I think it's to get the best player on your board. And the guy that I gave them, there's mixed opinion on field, is, is Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. Pass rusher off the edge. Some think he's more of a late one. Some think he's a top 10 pick. It's kind of all over the place. You get a lot of guys thinking, oh, why do I see him up so high? I think that's a little overrated. Some think he belongs there based on the talent and the upside. So I gave him the pass rusher at 12. You could see a wide receiver. Maybe the first receiver off the board goes to Houston. That's about the range you will see wide receiver one come off the board. And that's the big issue, too. You talk to the teams. I can't get a consensus on wide receivers. Jordan Addison, USC, some love him. Quentin Johnson, TCU, physically imposing, love that kid. Think about uh, my guy, Zay Flowers, Boston College, but he's only 5'10", 175. Some love him despite the size, okay? Think about a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba, hurt all year with the hamstring, but phenomenal in 2021. I think he's right there in terms of the top receivers as well. Some have moved him down just a bit. Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee, he may run into low four twos. Is he going to be in the late first round out of Tennessee? So there's a lot of mixed opinion on the wide receivers in this draft. Some think the tight ends field deserve to go higher than the wide receivers do. It's interesting too, Mel, and you have to make the right decision uh, regardless of who your where your head coach's background lies. But part of me wonder, you got two first round picks. You just hired a guy who's one of the great players in your franchise's history, who's a defensive mastermind of D'Amico Ryan's, like. I got to imagine that D'Amico's going to be saying to Nick Casario, hey, I get it. We probably need a quarterback with that first pick. I'll take that Tyree Wilson at pick number 12, how things shake out in your mock draft, or one of those cover corners to keep adding to our stockpile in the secondary after both Derek Stingley and Jalen Petre in the first two rounds last year. You know those coaches are going to always be nudging for uh, what sort of aligns with what their background is, but it's our really Really fascinating team this offseason. And if, if they are motivated to move up to pick number one in this year's draft, 
Uh, it almost is, of course, for a quarterback, and I think it would create a very, very interesting situation there in Houston. Number 11 on the board right now, Mel, is the Tennessee Titans, who are, if you asked me to do like five or six most interesting teams this offseason, I'd put them on my list for this reason. Recently, they cut several veterans to clear about $30 million in cap space. But if you look at their roster right now, it's not, I don't think, good enough that you'd say that's an AFC contender going into next year. But they also don't have a bunch of young pieces where you say, all right, it's the obvious pivot time, right? They have had some struggles in the first round and recent years. Guys uh, like Isaiah Wilson just out of the league entirely. Others like Caleb McGarry who's dealt, excuse me, I was going to say Caleb Farley. Uh, Caleb McGarry, another first-round pick. But Caleb Farley, the cornerback out of Virginia Tech who's been injury-riddled. Is this a team that you think is closer to competing? Or are they closer to maybe like retooling? And what would you do if you were the new GM in Tennessee? Well, I think you got to look certainly at the offensive line is the big issue. And certainly, I think about quarterback, we get to that as well. But And what's going to happen there? But the offensive line was the problematic area. Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State, talented kid. Certainly, he's going to get better with coaching and more experience. Uh, I projected him to the Tennessee Titans. But you think about that division, Indianapolis is going to go get a quarterback, right? Jacksonville's got Trevor Lawrence. They're set. So they're, they're in great shape as well. So I think you look at where we are right now with the Tennessee Titans and – the Houston Texans are going to get their quarterback. We know that. So you have a young quarterback in Houston, young quarterback in Indiana. you got Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. And here's Tennessee sitting there looking at maybe, like I say, the offensive lineman out of Ohio State. So a team right now, we know what Mike Rabel's done. He's done a phenomenal job coaching this football team. There's areas they need to address, figure out quarterback as well moving forward, but get this offensive line straightened out to the best of their capability so it won't be as problematic as it was this past season. Yeah, it was a really, really tough finish for the Titans down the stretch. A lot of injuries caught up to them, and of course, none more important than Ryan Tannehill as they eventually turned the keys over to Joshua Dobbs out of nowhere, who actually acquitted himself pretty nicely there in Tennessee after signing from the Lions practice squad. But they're an interesting team. They can kind of go one way or the other. I think what they decide to do with Ryan Tannehill and also Derrick Henry will be very instructive. Henry is in the final year of his contract right now. Uh, do they look to extend him? Do they just stand pat and let him play it out? What happens there with Derrick Henry, a guy whose production is borderline unmatched, but uh, are you going to keep a player at his age, his position, if you are instead intending to potentially retool this roster? And the last one here, Mel, before we get into some more sort of combine thoughts, the Lions. And the Lions in a very good spot. 9-8 and eight this past year, nearly made the playoffs. The vibes are extremely high. Ben Johnson, their excellent offensive coordinator, stuck around, or is sticking around for at least one more year, rebuffing opportunities to become a head coach in the NFL. They've got pick six from the Rams, and they've got pick 18. What would your approach be if you were Brad Holmes? Could go several directions, but defense front and center. Uh, that's the, the area they have to address, particularly the secondary. And I look at a guy like Christian Gonzalez, kind of Oregon, the way he played after that Georgia game, that first game of the season, how much improved he was and how he's going to test. You talk about a guy with length, athleticism, recovery speed, showed impressive ball skills this past season, tackling improved. So Christian Gonzalez for the Detroit Lions, to me, that early in the draft, the pick six, maybe not too early if he has those numbers, those computer numbers are phenomenal on the heels of a heck of a season for the Oregon Ducks. He deserves to be in that mix to be a cornerback one right, right there with Devon Witherspoon from Illinois, who I have going to the Raiders at pick number seven. Then the, the, uh, the, you talk about a team coming back, the Detroit Lions can at 18. 
Maybe with a Drew Sanders. I, I think you get Gonzalez at six, and you can get a linebacker like Drew Sanders from Arkansas. You got something going there, field on the defensive side. Aiden Hutchinson was a great number two pick overall. Almost double-digit sacks, big play after big play. He had interceptions, recovering fumbles. He's just wreaking havoc. Aiden Hutchinson had a great year. James Houston had a, had a real good year coming off the edge. Did a great job getting them sacks as well. So to me, Kaminsky did a decent job. You yep. think about where they are with Pascal coming along. But Drew Sanders is that guy that can be versatile at linebacker, which is what you want. You can be inside, outside, and get after the quarterback and get sacks. He's got the ability to track down the quarterback with his speed. Drew Sanders is a guy I really liked field in the middle of the first round. Mel, this just makes me laugh. Uh, Drew Sanders spent one season at Arkansas. Uh, he was at Alabama prior to that. Like Alabama's backups, the guys who have to transfer to other schools, go on to become first-round picks potentially in the NFL. The depth of talent in Tuscaloosa is patently absurd. Let me ask you this, though, Mel, and maybe you think I'm crazy. Sure. I think there is something to be said for teams when they have a draft resource to take a quarterback, to at least think about it. And hear, hear me out. Jared Goff was rock solid last year. So impressed by the leadership, and the on-field play was very good. I also think there are some that feel as though Jared Goff maybe is not in the top eight or ten of quarterbacks in the NFL and probably won't get there. The Lions may not have the sixth overall pick in the draft again in the next three or four years, or at least under this current regime. They've just done too many good things to be picking again in that spot in future years. Is there logic to considering a quarterback when the opportunity is presenting itself this year, or are there too many other needs, and is the window too wide open in the NFC North for you to buy that idea? It's a great question, Field, because of Jared Goff playing so well. And I tell you what, this offense with this line, this outstanding offensive line, uh, the way they have been a multidimensional team, they able to beat you throwing and passing. They traded TJ Hawkinson. I thought about Dalton Kincaid, tight end out of Utah, or Michael Mayer, tight end out of Notre Dame, with that mid-first-round pick. So they could look at a tight end at some point. But they got really, by committee, they got production out of the tight end spot after the Hawkinson trade field. So like I say, like I say, by committee, we always talk running back. How about by committee, a tight in, they got, as I say, solid production. But that's a position because of the strength of one of the strengths of this draft being tight end, I would think they would address. To your point about quarterback, if they love Jared Goff there, and he's not 38 years old, okay? He's not at the end of the trail. Okay, he's got a lot of good years left. You feel like we can get to a Super Bowl? He already did with the LA Rams, got him to a Super Bowl, right? They lost yeah. Super Bowl, but he got him there. Sure. You know you got a guy who's been there, done that. If you feel he's the right guy, then you fill those needs on the defensive side. You get the corner, you get the linebacker, or you get a tight end at some point, and you keep rolling. I, and I'd say multiple defensive backs in this draft field, one in and enough. Christian Gonzalez isn't enough. Yeah. I remember when Bill Walsh, late great Bill Walsh with the 49ers, got Ronnie Lott in the top 10. Remember that? He ended up getting three other defensive backs in that same draft, okay? Carlton Williamson and, and Eric Wright. That, that was a great defensive secondary because of one draft, okay? So when you need DBs, get multiple. And it wasn't just you know, it's like third round, second round, third round, and get a, a corner. We'll get one late, okay? Eric Wright was a, was a steal for them. And you think about where they were able to get guys in this draft. You think about where the Lions are picking that affords the opportunity to help this defense immensely field and then worry about the tight end maybe in the second or third round. I just think Jared Goff showed enough for me that I might not worry. And also, who's going to be the quarterback there 
when they're picking. If four quarterbacks are gone, sure. are you taking Anthony Richardson as the developmental quarterback, mm. uh, kind of the boomer bus guy who needs some work, or are you going to go for the corner that can help you right away and get that defense where they need to be? That's a tough question to answer. Like I said, it all depends on their feeling internally about whether Jared Goff is the right man for the job. I feel, my own opinion would be, Field, I think he is. Yeah. I think it's, if you can improve this defense, Jared Goff, with the offensive production that they showed, I'm ready to roll. This is a Lions team that's feeling great about their head coach, Campbell, feeling great about their entire organization. They got a lot of momentum built from what happened in that Green Bay game and throughout the year. Had Buffalo beaten on Thanksgiving Day, let that one slip away, or they'd have been a playoff-caliber team. They were a playoff-caliber team. I'm, I'm really identifying and attacking that defensive side of the ball to get that better for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, it's interesting. Again, I have no issue whatsoever if the Lions decide to just load up on defense and use pick six on 18 and 18 on defensive guys or other ways to help the offensive system as well. I just think it's an interesting philosophical question given that I'm not sure the Lions are going to be picking in the top 10 anytime soon with the way that this franchise is going up and up and up. We're going to come back in just a moment to wrap up a few thoughts here again on Mel's Mock 2.0. But first, before we do, breaking news, Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedra Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedra Pro Kit allows you to shape your your signature beard look. And right now, you can go to manscaped.com and use the code PICK, P-I-C-K, for 20% off and free shipping. So get 20% off, free shipping with PICK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com. You use our code, it is PICK. Like, you know, a draft pick. Manscaped Beer Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths, and 20% off. All right, so before we say goodbye here, Mel, just a couple of last thoughts here on the Combine. And you, know, you talked about how what you're looking forward to includes the wide receivers and the cornerbacks, uh, potentially how they run, how they do in positional drills. I wanted to just quickly ask you, and I don't want this to sound like either one of us being the old man, you know, yelling at the clouds here, but... Um, in your years covering the NFL draft, it feels as though the way players approach the combine has changed dramatically. Uh, you know, quarterbacks that opt not to throw or, you know, guys who opt not to work out. Um, do you think that matters at all in the evaluation of these players? Or do you think that there's really not much to lose when you sit out these drills if you're at the top of the draft board already? No, they're really, they will scream a little bit and they'll say things that they're not happy about it. I remember some GMs will say, if, I, if you don't work out the combine, I'm not going to take you in the first round. And they up taking a player in the first round, didn't work out at the combine, okay? So, you know, you want to say things now because you're trying to get these guys. You don't want to be flying all over the country to pro days, okay? You'll have pro days where you'll send people, but not everybody's going to be at a pro day. Everybody's at the combine. So you would prefer all these guys to work out. So you probably put pressure on them to do that. But at the end of the day, to answer your question, no, it's not going to anything. A lot of these guys feel like, hey, you know, we're doing enough. We're poked and prodded enough, okay, at the combine. We're not going to be at our best. You know, quarterbacks throwing the receivers they've never thrown to, waiting to make, never being able to get in any rhythm, okay? And, and again, you're at your pro day. You set the time. It's on your field. It's with your guys. It's your comfort zone is there. So for me, there's nothing wrong with waiting for a pro day. You're there at the combine. You go there. You go for the medical, the interviews, and then you wait for your pro day. No issue at all with that field. I know the NFL doesn't like it, 
but it's reality, and I don't think it's a bad move on these players to wait until a pro day to go and, and for the most important thing is show your computer numbers and put your best foot forward just a few months before the draft. The pro day, I think, provides the best opportunity for that. You know, Mel, there are times where I kind of wonder, like, would we be any worse for the wear if the pro day portion of the pre-draft process didn't exist? And sometimes I think, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying there has there is zero value, but sometimes I think those of us on the outside, uh, and I, I'm not talking about someone like you're talking about someone like me. Uh, like I get too enamored sometimes with the pro days, right? The throw that makes its way on the Twitter. It's it's like watching the NBA dunk contest for these quarterbacks that like. Yeah, it's a cool throw, but, like, is it applicable to the game? Does it mean anything? I've yeah. fallen into that trap too many times before. So here's my discipline is my, my word this let, year. Let me say one thing about that, Phil. Field. I've talked to teams about that, and they've made their decision on quarterbacks prior to the pro day. Mm. So a pro day where everybody's there, and they're there. Yeah, But they're already made the call on who the quarterback's going to be. When you thought it was coming down to this guy or that guy, and they're at both workouts, they've already made that determination. Sure. So in terms of the quarterback, you know, you got to know. And you have a gut feel, and you feel like you know who that guy is, sometimes prior to pro day. So, again, they do it there. They have to show up because you have to show that you're interested in everybody, right, in terms of potential trades and what may happen. But uh, a lot of these guys have already – some of these guys over the years have locked into their quarterback – prior to pro days. Yeah, and I do think there is value. Like, to be clear, these coaches get the chance to go to these schools, by the way, and even if you're going to watch the Alabama Pro Day for Bryce Young, you get the chance to go to Nick Saban or anybody on the staff and say, something about Brian Branch, the safety who might go in the first round, as an example, right? You get the chance to ask about guys that are going to be first-round picks in future years because you know Alabama's got, like, 15 future first-round picks on the roster. So there is more to it than what we see when we actually watch the pro day. But I do think and I, I'm, I'm, I'm holding myself accountable on this podcast. I am not going to fall into the trap again this year, Mel. I have seen far too many Zach Wilson BYU pro day clips to realize that sometimes they mean absolutely nothing to how the player is going to perform at the NFL Field. level. Throwing against air is not going to get it done for me. Like I said, I do think Bryce Young's pro day because of the size issue, the weight issue, the frame issue, withstanding punishment, people seeing him up close and personal on that field after watching Will Levis, being able to watch Will Levis that same week, Anthony Richardson the next week is going to have his pro day. Okay, C.J. Stroud that same week is going to have his pro day. When you see Stroud and you see Levis and you see Richardson, then you see Bryce Young. How do teams feel about that? Okay, yeah. Again, that's going to be really important. So pro days normally, combines for quarterbacks, who the heck cares, right? You're throwing against air. You're throwing against receivers you've never thrown to before at the combine. You're not going to get any rhythm. Are you going to overreact to that? Uh, hopefully not. But I think in terms of Bryce Young, uh, it may be important for him because that, that you're looking for physicality. You're not going to get it there. But is he big enough to reconcile being that outlier from a size? Talking about the weight more so than the height standpoint. Will Bryce Young be somebody you feel comfortable enough to take number one overall or even trade up from four to one or go two to one to get him? Are teams going to feel comfortable enough to do that with a quarterback, that height and that weight together, that size overall for Bryce Young? Like I said, we've never had that happen in the first round when you put it all together, and I'm I'm leaning mostly on the weight for Bryce Young. Yeah, we will find out Bryce Young's weight later on this week at the Combine. We'll have much more on next week's edition of first draft with some combine takeaways and everything else that's going to take place over the next seven or so days. Go check out Mel's Mock 2.0 on ESPN.com right now. And if you're listening on the live stream, 5 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2, you can also catch Mel and I on NFL Live, 4 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. Mel, you're the best. 
Talk to you again next week, my friend. You got it, Phil. Take care, buddy.